Welcome to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us again as we continue with this month's theme of the Four Pillars of Strengthening Relationships. In today's message, Pastor Harlan Purdy helps us to watch and guard our lives by establishing intimacy boundaries in relationships in an ever-increasing lost world of infidelity and adultery. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope that today's teaching will remind us that married love was created and ordained by God, and that intimacy is part of God's plan for us in the boundaries of a marriage between a husband and a wife. Because this is Valentine's Day and the month of February we've been devoting to talking about relationships, we're going to look at the Song of Solomon this morning, and we want to talk a little bit about establishing correct boundaries, romance, and relationships. You see, life is made up of a multitude of relationships, and they intersect each other at, a, at, at various points. We, we share life with people. It's clear and we all understand that the relationships we have are of various kinds. They're different from one another, and we deal with them differently. We act within them differently. And so we want to think a little bit this morning about the subject of intimacy in terms of the arena of relationship. So. We want to look at Song of Solomon and kind of set a benchmark, if you will, for our discussion. It, it, I'm not going to do an you know, expositional study on the book of Sol Song of Solomon, or is, nor is the message this morning expositional. It's more topical. But we're going to begin looking at the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a love song. It is a love song. Actually, it's a collection of love, love songs. And if you read through the commentaries, you will find a wide range of opinions as to how many love songs there are. Some will say there are 13. Others will say there are 48. Uh, I don't know if there is a limit to the number of songs that people think of, but there is a collection of love songs in this book. Traditionally, the Song of Solomon has been approached from an allegorical position. If you read commentaries, if you read Jewish commentaries, you're going to see the discussion of the Song of Solomon focusing around the relationship of God to Israel. When you start looking at Christian commentators talk about the Song of Solomon in relationship to Christ as he relates to his church. The, the reason why biblical scholars, Jewish and Christian, really kind of shy away from looking at the text literally is because, now I'm going to use a word, I hope I don't shock you, we're in church, but the Song of Solomon is very erotic. If you read it in the Hebrew, it's a very erotic 
book. In fact, Hebrew boys are not allowed to even read it until they're 13. That's true. That's, that's not an exaggeration. The book is talking about married love. It's really the story of, of a young shepherd maiden who falls in love. Some would suggest that it's King Solomon himself that is the lover. Others would say that it is another shepherd boy, and I don't know which it is, and I'm not going to argue the case. It really doesn't matter. But it's a love story of how their love grows, and, and, and they get married. The center of the, of the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 16, and chapter 15, verse number 1, those two verses, they are the center of the Song of Solomon. So let's stand and read it together. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden, that its fragrance may be wafted abroad. Let my beloved come to his garden, and eat of its choicest fruits. I come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spice. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink and be drunk with love. Father, help us to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, that probably sounds relatively benign to you. But if you lived in the 9th, 8th, 7th century B.C., and you were Hebrew and you read and understood Hebrew, this would set your blood bubbling. It would get your heart thumping. You, you, well, beyond that, I will not go. It's literally a description of a bride and her bridegroom on their wedding night. And Song of Solomon raises a critical issue for us in relationship to romantic life and intimacy in relationships. We live in a world that has lost its way. We live in a world that oftentimes does not understand the appropriate place and the appropriate way to establish boundaries. And so I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning about establishing intimacy boundaries. You see, every relationship that we have fits into an intimacy category. As such, there are three intimacy boundaries that interact and relate to each other. It's the boundary of time the boundary of communication, and the boundary of emotional energy. In her book, Not Just Friends, Dr. Shirley Glass writes this, 
The new infidelity is between people who unwittingly form deep, passionate connections before realizing that they've crossed the line from platonic friendship into romantic love. 82% of the 210 unfaithful partners that were part of a survey indicated that their affair took place with someone who was at first just a friend. Just a friend. But because boundaries were not put in place, friendship crossed the line. And an intimacy level that was inappropriate for that relationship began to form and ultimately culminated itself in an affair. Now, I know this is church, and, and we sometimes get a, a little uncomfortable when we approach the subject of intimacy. But folks, we need to understand that married love was created and ordained by God. He created it. Intimacy is part of God's plan for us. But his plan was that intimacy would be kept within its appropriate and proper place between a husband and a wife. And so I want to try this morning to just help us to understand a little bit about intimacy and then how we might watch and guard our lives because we are at a time when the enemy is attacking families and homes and doing everything that he can to wreck and destroy marriages. There's probably not one of us in this place this morning that does not know someone whose marriage has fallen apart. And we can point all kinds of fingers and we can lay all kinds of blame, but that's not why we're here this morning. I'm not here to attempt to make anyone feel guilty or shameful. What I'm here trying to do is to help us to recognize that if we will, from this day forward, build the right kind of boundaries in the right places, we can protect ourselves from the temptations and the struggles that can come. What is intimacy? Well, there are levels of intimacy, and I don't know if you can read the slide. I guess it's disappeared. The lowest level of intimacy is where we exchange basic facts. You know, it's, it's cold today. Yes, it is. A low-level intimacy is where we share the opinions of others. Uh, we're, we're discussing the weather, and we will say something like, Uncle George said it has never been this cold since he could remember, and Uncle George is ancient, so it's probably never been this cold before. We're, we're, we share the opinions of other people. We, we will share an opinion that maybe has been printed somewhere. 
Then the next level of intimacy is what we might call moderate intimacy, where we begin to share our own opinions. It's cold today. Yes, my Uncle George said it's the coldest it's been ever since he can remember, and he's ancient. And by the way, I agree with him. It's freezing today. It's very cold. So we're starting to share our own opinion. When you start to do that, you begin to expose yourself. Because somebody can disagree with your opinion. That becomes personal. You can disagree with my Uncle George all you want. I don't care. Doesn't hurt me. Doesn't impact me at all. But when you start to disagree with my opinion, now that has an emotional tag to it. Because if you don't like my opinion, maybe you don't like me. If you disagree with my opinion, maybe you think bad about me. So at this point, at this moderate level, we're beginning to, to expose ourselves to potential injury. Then there is what's called high intimacy. This is where we begin to talk about our background, our, our values, our goals. We're, we're going beyond sharing just our opinions. We're really talking about ourselves, who we are, our background. We, we're sharing information about our identity. We're sharing ideas and we're letting people begin to see what we value, what's important to me. What matters to me? You see, and if, if you learn that my... Back in 1977, I bought a brand new Camaro Z28 straight off the production line. It, it was the first year that they reintroduced the Camaro Z20. You all know what a Camaro Z28 is, don't you? I. It's a car. You don't every. I'm sure. I'm positive that every one of you, a Camaro Z28. I mean, it's the top of the line. It's the thing that everybody wants. I wanted that Camaro Z. Camaro Z28 is a muscle car. When I put that thing in first gear and I was at a stop sign. I, I had a friend of mine in the car. I took out a $20 bill when $20 bills were actually worth something. And I put it on the dash in front of him. And I said, no. From the minute I start and go through the gears, if you can get that $20, you can have it. That Camaro Z28 would go from 0 to 60 miles an hour in 5.3 seconds. It created so much G-force going through the gears that he couldn't get out of his seat to reach to get the $20. And I would do that to my friends from time to time just to show how great my car was. Now, you see, once you know that my Camaro Z28 means something to me, you have a way to hurt me. You might say something like, Ah, Z28 does nothing. 
Mustang. Chevrolet, Ford, oi, oi, oi. You see, you might even take a key and go out and stand beside my Camaro Z28 and walk along it. Ooh. You see, when you know what I value, when you know what my goals are, when you, when you get to see into a bit of the depth of who I am, you, you can hurt me. I become vulnerable. The highest level of intimacy is the place where there are no secrets and there are no fears. There are no boundaries. Intimacy also involves time. Low level of intimacy is little time. A phone call once in a while. Uh, bump, bump into the person on the street, hello, how you doing? Very little time invested in that relationship and the levels continue to grow the amount of time that we spend. Now I recognize that some of our relationships are controlled by others. Our work relationships. We're in the same office for the amount of time that we're required to be there. And so we're in the same vicinity or in the same location with people for 7, 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Depending on where you work and what your schedule is and all of those kinds of things. But not necessarily are you with that person that you work with during all of that time. You're in the same location, but not necessarily with them. This is one of the great problems in marriages. We can be in the same room, but not with each other. Well, I spend lots of time with you. We're together all the time. Are we? Now, I, I need to be careful because my wife will start saying, Amen, 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 very loudly. Emotional energy. How much emotional energy do we invest in those relationships? How much emotional affirmation do we receive from those relationships? Guys... Are you on your way to work and you can't wait to get there because you know when you arrive that that young lady is going to say to you, that's an awesome shirt. Make you feel good. It's, it's, it's emotional affirmation. Where do we receive our emotional affirmation? Where do we look for it? It's levels of intimacy. The more emotional energy you put into a relationship or gain from it, the higher the level of intimacy. And I don't know, again, if you can read the display that's there, the various circles of intimacy and relationship. We need to recognize that there are danger zones. We need to recognize that there are appropriate levels of intimacy 
for different relationships. Your relationship with your spouse is limitless. There are no limits to the level of intimacy you can have with your spouse. But every other relationship has limited intimacy levels. My relationship with my siblings has a high level of intimacy. I will talk to my brothers about my goals. I'll talk to my brothers about my values. But that's a limit. There's a limit to co-workers. And I don't, I don't talk to my co-workers about my deepest fears or my deepest secrets. That's for my wife. That innermost part of my being is for her and her alone. I don't share with friends or co-workers things that will allow them into the place of my life where they can entice me to a strong attachment. Because I have to be honest with you. I don't always agree with my wife's opinions. She doesn't always agree with mine either. I don't always understand her fears. I can learn to understand, but it takes time. But sometimes when you share that fear or that hurt or that anguish with a friend, they will say, I know just how you feel. I, I know how devastating that is. By, I, I, I just, I just I, 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 it breaks my heart to hear. And all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, they understand me. And there's a connection just like glue. And if you're not careful, that can expand far beyond its appropriate boundaries. So the workplace, it's a danger zone because you spend a lot of time there. Leisure activities, if, if you spend lots of time with, with golfing friends or with, with friends at the gym or playing games or whatever it may be, your leisure activities, the people that you spend time with playing, playing sports, group activities, small groups, big groups, celebrate recovery groups. They're danger zones because you can expose yourself and allow an intimacy level that is inappropriate for the relationship that you have to develop. Friendships. Many factors can play a role in causing infidelity. But it always, it always requires these three things. It always requires attraction, opportunity, and failure to follow proper precautions. We 
quoted from Glass just a little bit ago, and she provides some basic rules that I'll share with you. Number one, don't allow yourself to think about being with another person because thoughts lead to actions. Whether they're a friend, a co-worker, a, 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 a member of your same small group, whoever they are, never allow your mind to go to that place where you imagine yourself being with them. You say, but I'm not married. That doesn't matter. Those of you this morning who are single, God requires you to be faithful to your spouse. And you say, but I'm single. I don't have a spouse. No, but you're planning to have one. And your choices today will impact that relationship whenever it develops and whenever it comes along. And you never know that that person you are getting close to is the one who will be your spouse until you are actually together on your wedding night. You say, wow, why would you say that? Because I know of people that have shown up for the wedding and have left unmarried. And so, God requires those of us who are married to be faithful to our spouse and to never allow any other person to occupy a place in our thinking that would replace them. And for those of you who are single, even if you're planning on getting married, keep your mind clean. And don't let your imagination go to those intimacy levels that are inappropriate with a person. Number two, don't flirt. It's a big temptation in our world to, to flirt a little bit because we all like to believe and to think that people like us. Flirting signals that I'm available. Let me tell you a little story. A number of years ago, back in the 90s, I was serving on, on a national uh, board of governors for a, a major Bible college. It meant I had to travel a lot. And I had to travel to Toronto four or five times a year, be there for three, four days every time I went. And we always were put up in the same hotel. And so we ate there and, and, and had meetings there sometimes and whatnot. So, so the waitresses all got to know us quite well. And I remember this one evening. It had been a long day. It was about 9 o'clock at night and I'm showing up for, for my dinner meal. And, and one of the waitresses said something to me that really disturbed me and basically she was making herself available. So I looked at her and I said, well I have to tell you, when you have steak at home you don't chase hamburger on the street. She never spoke to me again, ever. 
Matter of fact, she wouldn't even serve my table. <laughs> but that shut it down. All I would have had to do was just smile. Not said anything. And it would have opened the door. At least in her mind, it would have been... Maybe. And who knows? Thank God. I was smart enough to know. Set boundaries. Set them fast and set them hard. Don't, don't leave any room for question marks. Number three. Stay away from dangerous situations because... Because everyone is fallen. Even those of us who are born again, we have a fallen nature that still works. So set appropriate boundaries. Look at all of your relationships and determine this relationship is only open to certain levels of intimacy. It only deserves a certain investment of time. It only is open to a certain amount of emotional energy. My marriage, either the one I am in right now or the one I am praying and believing and hoping that I am going to be in in the future. That, that is my special relationship and I will guard it with everything that is in me boundaries should always exist outside of the marriage but never inside and here is where sometimes we we, we fail and we falter there should be total openness between spouses. Now, here's the hard part. You see, now I'm preaching this. I'm, I'm getting to, to the part of the sermon that's going to be tough because I've got to practice what I preach. And, and I give you permission to walk up to Elaine anytime and say, Elaine, is Purdy doing what he tells us we're supposed to do? She'll tell you the truth. My wife will tell you the truth. So you'll hold me accountable. And I give you permission as the members of my congregation to walk up to me anytime and say, Pastor, are you pouring into your marriage as you should? Are you investing in your relationship with Elaine as you ought to? Are you guarding that relationship from every danger? Are, are you Building that relationship stronger and stronger every day. I give you permission to do that. And I promise you, I will tell you the truth. And you can follow up my response by saying, have you just lied to me? <laughs> so if I lie to you once, I'm going to have to lie to you twice. Or I'm going to have to repent, one or the other. Next to God, your spouse is the most important person in the whole world. Why? It's quiet. I thought I'd get more than one amen. <laughs> Next to God, your spouse is the most important person 
in the world. And remember, I've said it. It's not just the spouse you now have. It's also the spouse, if you are single, that you are believing the Lord to bring your way. You be faithful to them now. Start being faithful to them. The greatest gift that you can give to another person is yourself. And if you have been immoral, it's impossible to give your whole self to another person. Now, forgiveness is an amazing gift of God. You may not be able to give them virginity, but you, you can. You can, from this moment on, give them purity. You hear me? Am I coming through? Why, it's quiet here this morning. Maybe it's the subject matter. It's a little delicate. But this really does matter. One of the ways that we can be sure that we keep this relationship the way it should be is to create boundaries. Here, here is one of the things that's important. Between you and your spouse, there must be no secrets. Use shared email. My wife can look at my, all, all my email. And I don't delete. She, my wife has access to the history of my computer. I, I haven't set my computer so that it erases its history every five minutes. So she can look at my computer and find out what kind of websites I've been on. I have some accountability partners that have access to my computer. Shared life. Friends outside the marriage must be friends of the marriage. Hear me? If you have a friend that does not make sure that your marriage is strong, they're not a friend. All of your friends should be friends of the marriage. That means they should be invited to your home and sit down to the table. You want them to know you've got the best mate in the whole world. Compared to Elen who is a number 10, there's not another woman on the face of the earth that reaches a number 5. Now I know all the other men in this room maybe are disagreeing with me, and that's okay. For you, that's okay, but not for me. She's my number 10. As a matter of fact, sometimes when people ask me, I say on a scale of 1 to 10, she's a 27. She's God's greatest gift to me outside of salvation. People need to know that. Your friends need to know that your marriage matters to you and you expect them to respect your marriage. So sometimes you're going to say to your friends, sorry, can't come. I've got a date night with my wife. I'm preaching myself into a spot. That must keep going. You understand what I'm saying? In your groups, you need to establish boundaries. Never share anything with your group that you would not share with your wife. 
hurts, hang-ups, and habits are a reality of life. And I know sometimes in our, in our groups, and we, we're starting Celebrate Recovery, and it's a place for healing. And openness is important, and, and these groups will grow, and you'll get comfortable with one another, and all of that is necessary and important. But don't leave your marriage outside of it. Don't leave your marriage outside of it. Don't develop a closeness with a member of your share group that you don't have with your spouse. Even your Bible study group or your prayer group. Sometimes we do weird things in sharing prayer requests. Guard your home. Friendships relationships, co-workers, acquaintances, all of these things are important, and they're a part of life. And I thank the Lord that I have a multitude of friends. I have a multitude of acquaintances. I have a large number of people that I interact with and, and relate to, and I thank the Lord for every one of them. They're precious and they're special, but they all have a proper place in terms of intimacy. There are appropriate things to be part of that relationship and there are inappropriate things for that relationship. I challenge us this morning to learn to know where the boundaries are and to draw the lines clear. Let's guard our families. Let's guard our marriage. The marriage we now have or the marriage we're hoping to have. Let's guard it. Will you bow with me? Father, thank you for your word. We've spoken on a delicate subject this morning, Lord. But it's a subject that's dear to your heart for you created human sexuality and you created it for marriage. You created it for husbands and wives to enjoy, to celebrate as a means of their coming together and of their becoming one, that they can be totally, completely vulnerable to one another. But Lord, it is for that relationship and that relationship alone. Help us to honor you Help us, O oh God, to publish the kingdom in that we understand and we practice proper relationships. We build the appropriate boundaries within the context of our relationships. We help one another to maintain those boundaries. Lord, bless our marriages, bless our homes, bless our children and our families, O oh God. May your grace abound upon each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah.
Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We pray that this ministry is helping you to live a life that brings glory to our Savior Jesus Christ and that His Word continues to guide and shape you to be the light of the world. For more information about our ministry and how you can get involved, please visit our website, citypentecostal.church. Ladies, would you sing silent as he stood accused?